Super Talk Mississippi media production. Fortofcorinth.com is having a 2023 inventory blowout sale. Check out all of last year's models in the lot, which must be moved. Bring your enthusiasm and your down payment. Let our team of finance professionals remove the test so you can just drive off our lot. Fortofcorinth.com. What is up on a Tuesday? I am Brian Scott Rippey, my co-conspirator, as always, is Michael Borky. We appreciate you hanging out with us on this not normal edition of the Rebel Report podcast. Uh, you know, interesting times, I guess, we're in because yesterday I was really just struggling to find anything interesting to do a show. I knew they had the NCAA vote coming up, so rather than just kind of half-ass a Monday show, Figure why not wait until Tuesday? You got four shows last week. It's not like we're on a normal schedule anyway. And that's probably predominantly what we'll be discussing today. The NCA voted yesterday to allow, uh, I say the NCA. what's the council called? I'm probably butchering the, the details of it. Uh, allowed, I voted to allow spring sport athletes uh, of all classifications to regain elig- a year of eligibility after their seasons were wiped away by the coronavirus. There's a buttload to unpack there uh what's up uh not riding my peloton that's for sure Uh, have you seen this (laughs) no i have not what is that in reference to i know what a peloton is it's like a little at at home bike right yeah there's a a group of and they're all with the exception of booger mcfarland who i'm sure is a, a really nice guy just uh not good at his current position but a bunch of like Cole Kublik and Jeff Schwartz and uh, Booger McFarland and like PFT commenter and all these people that are just every day. Uh, like, I guess when you have one of these, you can take the same like virtual class and like not race each other because it's all the same length of time. But like the, the more distance you go, like you win, I guess. And so they're all just like tweeting each other's Peloton results. And I don't know if there's a bigger flex in sports media than, hey, Here's my $3,000 exercise bike every day that I'm tweeting about. Yeah, I'm not a big exercise bike guy. If I'm going to run, I'm going to run on a treadmill or run out like at a gym nearby or run outside. They can't outside. do treadmills, man. Like looking at the same area for an hour, I, I couldn't do it. Like exercise bike, I know they have like screens that go through virtual things or whatever. And like, you can watch a, a instructor to help you. And maybe that makes the time go by faster, but I could not imagine, uh, imagine like just pedaling a bicycle and not moving. Like that would give me anxiety almost. Yeah. I, uh, I don't really mind the whole night having the change of scenery if i can just pop in headphones and listen to music and sweat for half an hour that's really all i'm trying to get out of running anyway but i see what you mean but yeah i'm not a big i mean i'm i've never tried a peloton so i guess i can't say i don't like it but like just uh i guess i haven't gotten that far into the workout regimen yet but quite interesting let's just dive right into it uh there's a lot to take away from yesterday this is going to be one a logistical mess this is going to cause problems for probably four to five years. I mean, it'd be almost a half decade uh, in terms of shuffling scholarships around. Obviously, we'll probably center most of the focus on baseball because that's probably the main sport most people listening, everyone listening cares about. But, you know, in a in a sport where you get 11 and a half scholarships, obviously that number will be uh, like kind of disavowed for next year, not disavowed, whatever. They're not, they're going to get more than 11 
uh, 0.7 or whatever the number is. Seniors don't count towards the roster limit, but this is going to have widespread ramifications uh, for years to come because baseball as a sport with what the MLB did with the draft to where it's going to be no fewer than five rounds, but pro- obviously not a normal draft. I guess it could be 10. I would think it would fall somewhere between five and 10 rounds when it's all said and done with is trying to push as many people back towards amateur ball. Everyone's basically just shoving uh, this problem, this logistical numbers problem uh, further back. Colleges are like now and inadvertently, uh, you know, this was the right thing to do, but inadvertently kind of shoving it back because it's going to affect high school kids. Uh, really just, I don't know what I'm, before we get to a micro thing, the macro thing here is this was the right thing to do. Uh, if you're talking about just doing right by the kids that inexplicably lost a year of eligibility because of a global pandemic. But at the same time, this is going to be a heck of a mess to sift through for the next little bit. Yeah, and I, I wonder if the first year is going to be a little bit easier than anticipated. Because maybe I'm wrong here. I have a feeling there's going to be a large portion of the seniors that just decide to move on. Maybe guys that have been there for five years already and they're because most guys aren't getting drafted or, or playing professional baseball. So it's like moving on in life. I, I don't think that you're going to have full senior classes returned to every campus. So maybe that will absorb the blow a little bit for these schools is that not all of their seniors are going to return. Some at the good places are going to go pro, but a lot of them are just going to move on to the next phase in life. You know, uh, maybe I'm wrong. I just I have a feeling that this is this is going to be the easiest year. It's next year and the year after that's going to be the problem when you have full classes staying and leaving. Okay, so I guess let's just this is a layered issue. So I'm having a little trouble trying. Like I was sitting down last night and trying to just like not I'm not typing out a blueprint or anything, but I was trying to figure out the break the way to break this thing down the best. So I guess seniors is a good place to start because that's probably going to be the most immediately impacted because there's a bunch of people impacted here. And I guess we'll break it down into three, three categories is one seniors, two underclassmen, and then three high school kids. And then four, we'll get to coaches in a second, but you could kind of lump that over all of them just because coaches are going to be the ones managing the roster. But I guess we'll start with seniors. What this means for seniors is quite interesting because the way the ruling came down is you can offer the, it gives these schools, you had to give the schools wiggle room because there's some schools that simply aren't going to be able to afford to do this. And I imagine the ones that can afford to do this, you see this in a normal year where scholarships get redistributed. Like, I mean, it, it's not uncommon at all for, I'm trying to think of an example here. Like, Old Miss's scholarship thing changed two years ago when Ryan Olenek decided to come back for his senior year. Uh, instead of go to the draft after his junior season. They had to kind of reallot scholarships and, and kind of twist the 11.7 they were allotted around because I think a lot of people thought Olenek was going to go to the draft as a junior. He comes back as a senior, obviously a very productive college hitter, so he comes back and that forces Mike Bianco to kind of make some tough decisions about who's on what percentage of scholarships. So this ruling gave schools the flexibility to offer guys no more financial aid than they were offered the year before, but also gives them the flexibility to offer them less. That puts some people like up in arms to some degree, but that's really not that uncommon 
in an equivalency sport like college baseball. You really see that all the time, depending on your roster, how big your incoming freshman class is. A lot of times they sell seniors, you can come back, but you'll be a walk-on next year because we got a really talented and big class coming in. That's not that uncommon, but that's the way the ruling was explained, was, was kind of handed down, because it's got to give these schools room and fl- wiggle room to kind of make this work. It's not the ideal way to do things, but it's really the only right way. So for seniors, it's interesting because that means like, I mean, if you're a senior coming back, one, you might have a job lined up for life after college or life after baseball. Two, are there really that many seniors going to be drafted in a five round major league baseball draft when they don't really have any leverage to begin with? I guess it gives them some leverage to come back, but you know, not everyone's going to be able to come back as I kind of explained. So this is an interesting case for the seniors because you have to kind of weigh the decision of are you going to take, say you're just like throw out being drafted in the five-round draft or 10-round draft, whatever it is, are you going to take $20,000 to go as an undrafted free agent uh, in the MLB draft? Are you going to move on for life after baseball? Or are you going to come back if you're offered some Wait, sort of partial? seniors didn't count against the 11.7 if they came back. I'm pretty sure it's just they don't count against the roster size. Is that not? I mean, I, 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 the way I read it is that seniors don't count against the roster number. Let me see. See now, now I'm questioning myself. Because what what is the point of off, like giving them wiggle room to offer guys less than like like I don't think seniors are structured into hey this is what you were offered last year this is what you're offered like this is what you're going to be offered this year. Hmm. I'm trying to find who said it so we can get some clarity. Returning seniors do not count against your 11.7 or the roster limit. Okay, so they don't count. See, now I'm I'm still learning as, as I go here. So they don't count against your 11.7, but... At the same time, like, what does that what does that exactly mean? Because you're you're going they're going to have to boost the scholarship like anyway, like seniors come back. They've got to be on some sort of financial aid. Right. See, right. And, and so the seniors coming back can get up to what they received the previous year, but no more. They could get zero or up to it. And that, I guess, is at the school's discretion to decide whether or not they want to take on the extra cost to pay them to come back. So that there's your your caveat, or whatever you want to call it. It's you have the, the roster that you were going to have next season, you can structure the exact way you wanted to. And then it's up for this, your school program, whatever, to decide whether or not they want to give up to the full amount that your returning seniors got the year before as an additional expense not related to your scholarship number. So basically what's happening is, is and because there's very few seniors across the country, you eliminate the Vanderbilts and I guess some LA, like LSU to some degree and Georgia's of the world. Like there's not any seniors on full scholarship anyway. So basically seniors are going to have to decide if they want to come back to college for an additional year in which they in all likelihood were already likely paying some portion of their tuition or just co- and come back for some additional degree or, you know, or move on with life after baseball or go pro really not that many great options for the seniors either way but if they do want to come back you know them not counting against the 11.7 or the roster limit certainly gives them the you know correct opportunity to come back 
and actually have a season because you were only a third of the way through this thing. Like I, you know, if a kid, what was the day the whole world stopped? Was it like March 11th? Something like that, March 12th. So, if, something if, like that, yeah. Well, like, I'm trying to think of a senior on Ole Miss's team. that, Like, Taylor Broadway, if he had gone into that game at ULM and blown out his UCL and required, you know, Tommy John surgery, he was going to miss the rest of the year, he, they were still a portion of the way through the season. Like, so if you – they were still through a small enough portion of the season, he would have been allowed to apply for a medical red shirt. So this option, like, really is – like, really makes a ton of sense in terms of them just being able to come back and complete the year. But for seniors, it really kind of puts them in a squeeze because they have like maybe a little slight, like I can't decide if they have more leverage or not in terms of the MLB draft with the way it's shortened in a normal draft, they would definitely have more leverage because they'd have the option to come back to school. But at the same time, and this will apply to underclassmen and uh, when we get to it in a little bit, uh, MLB teams factor, not only just what class you are in terms of trying to leverage you age is a big thing too. So you're really going to be a 23 year old senior like after you come back or 20, in some cases 24 and then try to go get drafted again the next year. Like it's just not so many great options, but they do have the option to come back. So those are the kind of three options afforded to the seniors. You can basically come back, whatever your school is going to offer you scholarship wise, move on obviously, or go professional. But you know, I, the amount of seniors drafted in a five to 10 round MLB draft is not going to be very big. And then the MLB of course has put a $20,000 signing bonus cap on uh, undrafted free agents to sign this year, which is basically being like, we don't want to fool with any of this. Please go to college uh, other than your, and then your high school top high school talent, like unless you're in the five rounds, please go to college. So they're basically just shoving the problem back uh, a level and really college baseball as it, is in familiar position is really just getting squeezed by all of this anyway. But I guess the next portion of it is what's really interesting is the underclassmen and the underclassmen, obviously they're going to get to come back as whatever they were this year, but they've got decisions to make. Cause like to me and Anthony Servideo, who is going to come back as a sophomore, obviously he'll be age 21 next year. So he'll be a draft eligible sophomore. I think, like what like it's interesting because he's going to be a sophomore again next year. So when he goes through like his what would have been his junior year in 2021, but it's actually another sophomore year. Like what decision do you make there? Because you're technically a draft eligible sophomore, but would be a normal junior. Like what does the leveraging look like there? Because there's going to be a whole mess of uh, of talent coming through the MLB draft next year because of the mitigated draft this year. I find that portion of it fascinating is what some of these underclassmen do, particularly the sophomore class, like would have been rising juniors next year, uh, do in terms of the draft after next season is complete. I don't know what, like, I don't know. I, at this point, I'm having a hard time deciphering what their leverage looks like and what's, because they're 21 at that point. So the next year they would be a 22 year old junior. And like, I, I don't know like what that means in terms of what teams value. That's going to be a fascinating element of this to watch play out. Well, that, and then wasn't Major League Baseball considering cutting the minor league system? I mean, completely removing even levels of the of the minor league system because they felt like their teams and their systems were just too saturated? I mean, that was something that uh, your favorite political candidate, Bernie Sanders, uh, was trying to stop from happening, right? I, and I don't know all the details. You would. You're the baseball guy. But weren't they considering cutting down their farm system? So what happens— 
in two years when everything gets back to normal, but you've got an influx of talent trying to go to the next level and there's fewer spots available for them. But then they have to keep their roster sizes, don't they? A little bit bigger considering all of this. So there's a mess, a potential mess that no one's even talking about yet. Yeah, I don't see the minor leagues, uh, the MLB actually walking away from the minor leagues anytime in the next half decade. Maybe I'm wrong about that. That was an idea that I think they floated out there in like December. But so I, November I of last year, they planned to eliminate 42 minor league baseball teams. So, but you got to remember, you've got like instead of the single A, double A, triple A deal, like you've got teams with multiple rookie ball, you know. High A, low A type of thing, which is probably yeah, most like, of them. Twenty eight of the forty two were either uh, rookie ball or short season single A. That's certainly a fewer spots, but as far as that having a gigantic effect on whether kids can go play professional baseball or not, I just don't. I don't see that making a huge difference. But uh, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, it's definitely certain to something to factor in. But I'm just. But more there are some guys that don't need to be going pro anyway. That will get drafted in the thirty-second round, and they'll throw them four thousand dollars and spend three years in the minors, and then get cut. So, you know, I, I don't mean to be callous, but it's okay if that guy doesn't get a shot moving forward. Yeah, I mean that. I mean it certainly happened. But forty-two teams. Like I'm trying to count how many roster spots that'd be there. I, I, that's just to me such a small percentage and like you have guys do that all the time and then you have guys that make it to the show through that all the time I mean Evan Gaddis uh the uh 2017 Astros World Series team uh kind of comes to mind you've got late round draft picks that make the show all the time so you just never really know but yeah I guess it is a fewer a, a couple fewer opportunities but I don't think that'll factor into the squeeze as much as uh as, as this kind of roster mess in college baseball. But I'm just more interested from it, from a pers- from the perspective of, like, what are these draft-eligible sophomores, in parentheses, that are really juniors going to do next year? Are they going to get leverage? Are they going to have leverage? Like, do you, do you have leverage at all coming back as a 22-year-old junior? I don't know. I would lean no. But that's going to be fascinating because the amount of kids coming out of the 2021, coming into the 2021 MLB draft, uh, I think is going to be huge. So that's another thing to keep an eye on. But, you know, you've essentially got, like from an Ole Miss perspective, you essentially got the same team coming back next year. Uh, I, in terms of all your underclassmen, I mean, Servideo, Nikhazy, uh, Hoagland, all sophomores again, Diamond, a freshman. Like, it, it, like, it's going to be interesting, like what, what they're called technically class-wise versus what they actually are in terms of when they'll go to the draft is going to be interesting because I don't know how that process is going to go. Do they all still leave after next year anyway to where none of this matters? They come back for a junior year. I'll be interested to see kind of what, what that looks like. But, you know, it, I guess from an underclassman standpoint, it's really just kind of status quo. Like this, this season was a wash. It never happened. You're still eligible to go. Obviously, unless you're a really late birthday kid, I would assume you're eligible to go just like as normal next year, despite being a sophomore. But uh, that's going to be kind of fascinating to watch as to what leverage these kind of kids, these kids have. And then I guess lastly, high school kids are the ones probably getting screwed the most here, Uh, because if you're not an elite level talent that's going to sign for high six, low seven figures in the first five rounds, we may only have five rounds in this draft. You're going to enter a college camp like it's incentivizing you to go to a college campus uh, that's going to be a much more crowded roster loaded with much more talent. And it's going to be hard to get on the field 
harder to, even for the elite kids to get on the field quickly, which I think you're going to see a bunch of kids, uh, the elite talent kids, either sign if they obviously get in the right slot value number in the first couple rounds and get a bunch of money, or I think you're going to see a bunch of kids go to JUCO and then go uh, try the draft again in a year or two. That would be my prediction on that. Uh, yeah, I hear you. Um, I wonder if they considered not phasing out. I guess maybe that's that's not the right way to say it. But right now you're going to have a roster of, of what, 44 guys, give or take, somewhere in the 40s. If you put a limit on roster size, so maybe next year it's 45, and then in two years it's 41, and then in, in two years later it's 37, and you, you start – forcing people to shrink their rosters to where in a few years it's back to a normal size instead of continuing the cycle of having five classes when you really only need four. Well, that's what the part that is still kind of left unknown. And I think that's the part they're still trying to figure out through all of this is this is a four to five. This decision is the right decision to be made in the moment. I think in terms of like just doing right by the, by the kids that lost a season for something just wildly unforeseen and out of their control. But this is a four- or five-year problem, like I said a second ago. And so if you don't have expanded rosters for multiple years down the road, like I don't know how you make this work. I think they're going to have to do that. And then I think the next thing that's coming in, ter- uh, in terms of helping kind of like give everyone wiggle room to figure this out is they're going to significantly uh, – kind of you know not or not limit deregulate to the transfer thing like i think you're going to get to see a free like penalty free one time transfer thing without having to sit out because that would be the next logical step in terms of figuring out this roster thing over the next couple of years is these spring sport kids are going to have to be able to transfer without penalty just so you can kind of find spots for everyone and figure this out to me that would naturally be the next thing coming i would guess maybe i'm wrong but i don't see how they're going to make this work without allowing kids to transfer uh penalty free at least one time yeah um and that's this will be a good test uh, for that to become the norm anyway i think they're still considering voting on that so maybe they figure out uh, how this feels how it works and then go from there see that they need to do that because while this is good, and it is good, I think all of these kids lost a season. Therefore, they should get it back. Uh, the, the idea that it was only seniors, I didn't like that because it's not just seniors that, that lost their season. It was everybody. As difficult as it is, this is the right thing to do. I don't like the, the – and I don't know how you fix it or what you do. But I don't like the idea that there are going to be, without a doubt, no maybe about it, there are going to be schools that have gobs of money, $100 million athletic budget, that's going to tell a softball player, a senior, that she can come back, but we can't afford to pay your scholarship because in this ruling, the NCAA or the working group, whatever it is, allowed a school, and I know why they did it, I understand why they did it because there are schools like maybe a Southern Miss that can't afford it as quickly as an Ole Miss could. But I know there's going to be a school out there that has an insane amount of money, a hundred million plus dollar athletic budget with a, a 
an apparel deal that's worth millions and millions and a TV deal that's worth millions. They have all this money, and they're going to tell a student athlete that you can't come back to school on scholarship because we can't afford it. I, I hate that side of it. So when a school does that, you have to allow that player to go find a home somewhere else. I think it's you have to take that next step and let players transfer one-time penalty-free especially, even if you have to do a waiver process, especially if they're being offered less money when they return for their extra year than they were the previous year. You have to let that happen. It's a no-brainer. Yeah, but it's also not an insignificant amount of money. I saw USA Today estimated that uh, Power 5 Conference School is allowing seniors to come back from an extra year of eligibility. Seniors only would be five hundred to 900000 and smaller schools, I'm guessing, like, uh, group of five types and, and going beyond there would be up to 400,000. Like, yeah, for a place like Southern Miss, that's, that's money and, that, but, and that's, that's seniors, that's seniors only. That's not everyone. So that was the estimation right. for seniors only. And that's not an ex- insignificant amount of money when things are normal, but there's also an economic factor here to where, you know, stock market not doing well. Like obviously the country's kind of shut down, uh, restricts, you know, how much, uh, donors can give to schools and things like that. There's a trickle down effect from that. Well, so that's not an insignificant amount of money in a normal time. To whereas well, we are obviously not in a normal time uh, in terms of just the economic state of of the country as well. So that's going to be like it. It it's necessary. I think. I mean, they're going to be sure. There are going to be some schools with gigantic budgets that can afford it. But like for a lot of places, that's just kind of necessary. They're going to have to be able to. They're going to have to right. do that to some kids just to be able to afford it, which is why I think the transfer thing is coming. Right. But, and I keep using Southern Miss as, as an example, and they have the smallest uh, athletic budget for the Division I football conferences. But it's not just Division I football conferences that play baseball. You know, there's, there's – oh, Furman's not a good example because their university is wealthy in spite of the small athletic department. But like in East Tennessee State uh, – if Southern Miss has a tiny budget and they can't afford it, East Tennessee State, who plays Division One baseball, I believe, don't they? Uh, I know they do. They're in the SoCon in football. So if they have a baseball team, it's a Division One baseball team. Um, there's no way. So I understand why the provision's there. I, I really do. It just If you're going to, to do that, you have to allow them to leave if they're being offered less. Yeah, and then uh, it's interesting. Another aspect of this is the draft, like the 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 college baseball's normal senior, which is a stupid term I'm going to use, but it's basically the juniors that you expect to go pro. But I need to take a break first to remind you. Podcast brought to you by LB's University Avenue, across from Kroger. Go see Greg as we try to power through this quarantine. Hopefully, this is coming to an end sooner than later, and we can kind of get back on our feet again. I'm not making any predictions there. Not calling it a hoax. I'm just ho- just wishfully thinking out loud we are allowed to get outside of our houses soon. But uh, if you're uh, trying to go, if you're in the area, uh, go by and see him. Got a lot of ready-made stuff. If you're trying to feed yourself or your family, he's got a lot of ground beef ready-made stuff. The meatloaf is fantastic, but he's also got normal. Uh, Specials, Lane Train Special, Keith Carter Special, if you want to throw a steak on the grill and chill out by yourself outside and try to get through this quarantine with some semblance of sanity. But go see him, University Avenue across from Kroger. Uh, Definitely important to support local businesses during this unprecedented time. Greg's been great to us. He's great to the show. I went and saw him two weekends ago. Uh, 
elected to go with crawfish this weekend. Probably going to go see him again this weekend and throw something on the grill. LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Uh, another thing that I kind of skipped over, I went straight to the sophomores. But this, like this year's junior class faces a weird decision as well because, you know, in a normal year, the best juniors in the country are going to get signed in rounds one through six, six through ten, something like that. Sign for six figures and go. That's just kind of how the process works because seniors in a normal year get just squeezed. You get no money. You got no leverage. You know, Jake Mangum got drafted in the fourth round. He got twenty four. I got twenty thousand bucks last year, or something, some figure along that. And Baseball America had a good stat in a piece that I read last night is last year there were 401 juniors drafted. Of that number, 99 were picked in the top five rounds, 73 in round six through 10. And then there were 229 college juniors selected after the 10th round. So even if best case scenario, you have 10 rounds in, in in the draft this year, like the majority of the seniors that aren't just the elite of the elite are going to get squeezed to that $20,000 signing bonus uh, with $20,000 signing bonus threshold, which would lead a bunch of them to come back to school. Obviously not any breaking news there, but they're the ones where age really comes into effect because a lot of them are going to be forced back into college baseball. And then in 2021, they're going to be 22 year old juniors coming out if things are back to normal by then. And does that affect their does that affect their uh, leverage in terms of signing and how much money they get next year as well? Uh, they're kind of in a crappy situation as well because this was their year. This is where you go make your money, whether you're an elite kid in the top five rounds or six or ten or even after that, you know, like you can sign. I mean, like what, what does that do to them next year? I don't really know. Like I, that's a hell of a decision to make decisions taken out of a lot of their hands because there's just not very many spots to get drafted. No, uh, how and I guess the next question is how long does Major League Baseball continue with a, a shortened draft? Is it going to be um, just one year, two years, three, four, uh, uh, something that they um, make normal? I, I mean, what if Major League Baseball decides, oh, 10 rounds is all we need and you can sign the free agents you want moving forward? I don't think they could do that based on the current structure of how they are in their bonus pools and all of that. I don't think they could do that. I think this is probably going to be a one-year thing based on this COVID-19 pandemic, but I could be wrong. I just so they'll go back to, what is it, 40 next year, you think? Yeah, I just don't see a world where the Major League Baseball is like, no, nah, to hell with it, we're only having 10 rounds. Like That, that would screw up the whole system for so long so badly. Uh, I just... I don't see a world where that happens. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I, I think they'll go back to normal. I think this will be a one-year deal. But it still causes, uh, in terms of just like the influx of talent you have coming in to each draft for the next couple of years, it, it, it changes those numbers dramatically. Because like of those 229 college juniors selected after the 10th round, like you're going to have a bunch more of those next year and then a bunch more the next year after that. Like I, I'm just like – I'm kind of – spending in circles here because I don't know when this evens out and when this gets back to normal. I think it's going to be four or five years. See that the most fascinating thing with this coronavirus deal is all the adjustments that are having to be made or or will have to be made in sports, like no spring practice, for example, in in football, you're probably not going to have NFL OTAs this year. The drafts are going to be different. The timing of them is going to be different. Major league baseball shortening. There's, 
uh, college baseball is going to have expanded rosters. And you know what? Maybe this could be the thing that allows baseball to have more than 11.7 scholarships. I saw yesterday that baseball is the only spring sport that does not have every player on full scholarship. Baseball has a scholarship limit. No other sports do. I saw that yesterday. And that's from the NCAA. So the most fascinating thing to me through all of this is how much of these temporary changes are a catalyst for a permanent change or just become permanent on their own? You know what I mean? Like, does this baseball thing, how they're trying to figure out roster size and 11.7, is this what causes the NCAA to expand the baseball uh, scholarship limit? Is this what causes Major League Baseball, even though you don't agree, and I'll I'll take your word for it because I certainly don't know about (laughs) baseball and their workings as you do, but what if this is what causes baseball to shrink their draft or the NBA to start later? Like, how many things are going to permanently change because of this forced change from the coronavirus? I think that's the most fascinating conversation in all of this. Yeah, I agree. I mean, whether it's the NBA calendar, the like as you just outlined, I don't know how much is this going to be permanent. I don't think anyone really knows at this point. You're just going to have to see how this all works itself out. Because while yesterday's decision was one that seemed to bring some finality to it, it is far from over in terms of how they're going to work through all of this. Because even if you're a junior in high school right now, and you've got, like, if you're a junior in high school right now, and then you're going into your senior year next year, like those kids are going to stumble on and you're supposed to come out of the draft out of high school next year. You're still going to walk into immensely crowded rosters. And if you don't have this expanded roster or, you know, working around the scholarship thing, like you're, it's going to be a mess for them as well in terms of what they decide to do. Cause there's going to be an influx of talent in the draft that they're supposed to be going into to see if they can kind of get enough money to sign and not go to college. And then if they do decide to go to college, they're, they're going to walk into much more competitive and much more crowded roster situations to where to me, these high school kids, seniors this year, and even the juniors after that, to me, they're like in terms of just getting screwed the most long term, that might be the group that's really just kind of affected by this the most. Yeah, maybe. I, I mean, I guess it's really the small schools uh, that are potentially going to be hurt by this the most. I mean, I, I wonder if this causes, and maybe this is a little extreme, but whatever, um, if this causes some schools to fold their programs. Like, just, like, fold the baseball program? Yeah, or multiple spring sport programs. Because, I mean, like you said, the financial impact of this is is pretty pretty sweeping. And if, let's say, football's altered, I mean, how many people are just going to decide, you know what, baseball is a, an expense that we take on and we shouldn't, and now it's going to be even more expensive, like to the tune of $400,000 extra a year. Why don't we just shut this thing down? It's happened well, I mean, before. The, the more sensible option there would just to be not offer any kids their eligibility, like, eligi- like eligibility back and bring the kids back for another year, right? Like they, the schools would have wiggle room just to kind of not do that as opposed to shut the whole thing down. Hmm. I don't know. It's a mess, and like, I, I tried to sift through as much as I could last night, but I ended up coming up with just more questions and answers, which seems to kind of fit the news cycle pattern for everything we've been dealing with for the last three weeks that's felt like a month or so. 
But so I don't know if anyone out there has questions about it, like if that'd be maybe something to bring up nice on tomorrow's show or something like that. If you have questions, send them to me. I'll try to answer them as best I can. But uh, I'm still sifting through this and uh, trying to figure this out as well. Uh, aside from that ruling yesterday, which really kind of dominated the day and will probably dominate the news cycle today, yesterday, given that it came out around 530 yesterday afternoon. Uh, another uh, aspect of this and another uh, gigantic sports industry trying to rebound from this global pandemic is the NBA, who is considering an idea of basically, as Brian Windhorst of ESPN uh, reported it at, or termed it as, create a bubble to where if they want the season to restart, as we get deeper and deeper into this, it seems incredibly unlikely that in June or July we're going to have games in NBA arenas with fans in the stands and everything being normal like it was a month ago. That just seems increasingly unlikely at this point. So if the NBA is going to restart its season, it is looking more and more like they are going to have to create a quote-unquote bubble, which is basically just a neutral site thing where they allow, where they bring in the teams, they play in front of empty, uh, obviously in an empty arena, and basically have their own like quarantined-style playoffs thing, which uh, it sounds like a good idea, but it's going to be incredibly difficult to execute just because even if you do that, the amount of people gathered there is going to be a lot, and I just... I don't know all the logistics of it. It's a fascinating thought, but I don't know if they can pull it off. The basketball tournament, the ice cube thing, I think is trying to do that, or last time I read was trying to do that, but that seems a little easier than trying to conduct a full-on NBA playoffs inside a quote-unquote quarantined bubble. I can't quite figure out if I think, I think this is a good idea or, or not. Like, in principle, it makes sense, right? Oh, yeah, everybody uh, has tested negative, so let's just put them in a hotel somewhere and play basketball, but as you said, there, there's so much that goes into it. Where are they getting their food from? Uh, who's washing the clothes? I mean, who are they going to touch and be involved with and, and see? It just... Mm. It's not desperation, but like, I've seen a couple of uh, local media people uh, suggest that it's a terrible idea, and because of, of who it is, uh, I'm just inclined to think that it's a brilliant one. But there is a a clause, I believe, uh, if I understand it correctly, uh, in the collective bargaining agreement that if a season's canceled, basically the players don't get paid. So they have incentive to do this. It's been suggested multiple times that the Players Association would never go for it. Um, if you're told if you don't do this, you don't get paid, then they're going to go for it. It's whether or not you can solve it logistically. I think the motivation behind it is is threefold. I think the the biggest one is uh, the league stands to lose oh gosh almost a billion dollars uh, if they don't play these games uh, the players stand to lose money if they don't play these games and that's the drive the the majority driving force to this and also they want to test the schedule as i've said a few times they want to find out whether or not late summer nba basketball works and so they'll do whatever it takes to to keep their money and also find out if this is the best course of action moving forward I have a feeling that they're going to um, give this a shot. I don't know why I think that. Maybe it's because of like the way Mark Cuban talked about it on Colin Cowherd's show last week about how they just – and he hit it behind the, well, people just need sports. Like It's just the fabric of this country and they need it. And, and I like it because 
that speaks directly to me and a lot of sports fans is, oh, yeah, we just need it back uh, by any means necessary. But when he's talking like that, that tells me that they're going to do whatever it takes to make that happen. And I can't think of any other idea that they could possibly have that could work better than this. And even though this probably doesn't work, I can't think of an idea that would work better other than just not playing the games. Yeah, I mean, like, I I tend to agree with that as well. I think college football is the same way for everyone saying that it's unlikely to have college football. Not There's so much in college football to an even greater extent because it has such an economic impact on, like, the towns and stuff and the Uh schools and affects a wider range of people. There's too much money at stake for them to not have a season at all. There is a world where, I mean, I'm not naive enough to think there is a world that there isn't a world where this is just so bad and and extends so long and there's no vaccine and the second wave is bad that you just can't have it. Like, I think that's certainly possible and on the table, but I wouldn't underestimate the links that people are going to go to to play both this NBA season and the college football season. The college football thing is kind of neither here nor there right now, but it's kind of the same uh, incentives in terms of the amount of money at stake. But, yeah, I think the NBA is going to have to try to do – like, they're going to try everything possible to play this playoffs to some degree and finish out this season because there's simply just too much revenue, too much TV money, too much – uh, I mean, I've read something the other day to where the local TV deal like isn't like kicked like isn't kicked in and like held uh, or isn't binding until you reach the 70 game mark of the season. So they're going to try to finish some regular season games to get teams to that 70 game mark for that to happen. Is that going to be amended? I don't know. But point being, they're like this is an idea out of necessity. This is obviously not something they would prefer to do, but if it came down to it. They're going to give it a hell of a try. I just don't know if it's logistically possible. Like, how do you make sure everyone is, uh, you know, like, I mean, because if one person inside that arena, whether it's a worker or medical staff or a player or assistant coach or whomever, camera guy, test positive, like the whole thing's shot. Like, it's all over. So I'm just not sure how you logistically pull that off. I want it to happen. I hope they're, they're able to, I hope they're able to do it. I just, again, I'm just not 100% sure how logistically possible that is. I wonder if they're thinking that the availability of testing will be greater in a month, you know? And then you just, you test everybody before they arrive. And then once they arrive, I don't know. I, I See, I don't know. I, I don't know how you can completely control it unless you test every single person involved and they're all negative and then you don't let them interact with a single person outside of that bubble that you created. I mean, I guess that's the idea, but is that kind of testing available right now? I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like it. So maybe they, they use their financial means to make that happen or what, but it just, there are so many variables. I mean, you, you've got to test everybody. You've got to test people working at the hotel. You've got to test your food people. You've got to test your custodians. Everybody has to be completely negative and never interact with anybody else. How are you going to do that? Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be fascinating to watch play out. And I think part of this is going to be determined by just kind of where the world is at at a certain point. Like, I'm, like, like we keep talking the same points in circles and just no one really knows – but like, where are we at in May? Like, are, are we are the infection numbers still rising as the quote unquote curve been flattened? All that stuff. Like, where are we at in a month? 
Like, I, there's going to be kind of important mile markers along the way here to where you're going to kind of be able to kind of read the tea leaves on what's realistically possible and what's not. But we haven't hit one of those yet because, believe it or not, it is still the month of March. And this started 20 days ago. I know that's kind of ridiculous to think at this point because it's felt like so much longer. But like this is uh, this is we're only 20 days into this. And so what does this look like May 1st? What does this look like June 1st? Like uh, what, what is the overall health of the country and just economic status in terms of like is the country open for business? Are we still shut down? Are we still quarantined? All that. Obviously, you had the governor of what Virginia, I think, put a shelter in place uh, all the way through June. Uh, June 10th. Yeah, I mean, that seems extreme just because what's the point of doing that now? Like, New York is the hot spot of this uh, in the United States, and they don't have anything uh, set in stone past April 30th because I guess that kind of underscores my point better than anything. You just don't know. So I just think everyone's trying to figure all this stuff out by now because I think in general we're all just going stir-crazy for being cooped up in the house and you know not being able to do anything Everyone's trying to figure this out now, but I just don't think you're going to be able to figure this out until you kind of see how this plays out over the next six weeks, eight weeks, ten weeks, whatever. Obviously, you get into mid-June, you're kind of figuring, like, you're going to have an idea as to whether there's going to be an NBA or NHL season. And I think by June, you're going to have a much better idea if there's going to be uh, some semblance of a college football season and what that looks like. It's just, it seems like everyone's trying to solve these issues now, and there's just no way to forecast it. No, not at all. I think we will have more clarity in two months. If nothing has come back by June 1st, and this is just simply just a guess and nothing more. If nothing has changed by June 1st, I think college football would be in trouble then. But to declare it in trouble right now, I think it's a little sure. Uh, I would agree with that as well. I mean, if, if we're still, if God, that's a scary thought, not in terms of college football season, but just the idea of not being able to go to a restaurant or Go to I, mean, a I read yesterday that they're June. expecting uh, 50 million people to get laid off here in the near future. 50 million. Yeah, I saw that the unemployment uh, might rise to 32%, which is like 4% higher than it was during the Great Depression. That's a uh, that's a just alarming statistic. But I mean, then that I mean to me, like on the, if you're talking about the two sides of the coin here, because there's two waves of news here. Like there's people dismissing this. As I think most of the, the truthers who are saying this is the flu is probably uh, it have probably phased themselves out at this point or, or probably not saying that because I don't know how you can realistically say that at this point. But like that to me is more incentive for, you know, I mean, if you're looking on the more conservative Trump side of him saying the country is going to be open for business by by Easter type of thing. But at the same time, like. I mean, this is a global health crisis as well. Like the balancing act there is is going to be, like I don't even really know what I'm saying, but like there, you're you're going to have significant ramifications either way in threading the needle between the public health and just the entire economy, uh, you know, crashing and burning into something that we don't even recognize is is going to be fascinating to watch play out. I don't think we can survive going like shelter in place through June or July. I just and nothing being open like. I just I don't think that's logistically possible. Maybe I'm wrong, but like at the same time, what do I, I don't know anything about this virus and, and what it does. Not anything, but you get my point. Like I'm not mm-hmm. a doctor. Like that may just be what you have to do. I've just kind of put my hand up in this whole thing and said I don't know because I really don't. I don't either, and it's uh, it's just depressing to think about. Um, 
especially and apparently today there's going to be some significant layoffs at intercom so it's close to uh, close to our business as well it's uh it's just a sad deal man yeah it is because i saw like uh gannett's furloughing a certain percentage of its staff for uh one like one week of the month for the next however many months or whatever and it's just like you need news and stuff now more than anything and newspapers and journalists are getting laid off and like that's just our industry i know there's millions of people out there in other industries affected by this too but like it just sucks to see i mean though the, i guess one last macro thought on this whole thing because i just hate talking about this it's just like how this came on and how quickly like just for me i was driving back from fort worth on march 11th after I did the show in Jackson down there where you're at and just being like, is this an overreaction? Like what's going on? What exactly is this? Is this really going to hit home here to where we are three weeks later is just been insane. Like if you have told me what, this is what we're doing three weeks ago in this quarantine thing and social distancing and not leaving your house unless you have to is the norm. I probably would have called you insane. Like three weeks yeah. ago from today would have been what March 10th. Yeah, I would have definitely called you nuts. I went to a hockey game on March 10th. I went to the Dallas Stars game <laughs> three weeks ago today. Man, and that feels like a, a year. Months. Yeah, I mean, the, I texted MC the other night. I was just like, we. I think we went to one of the last sporting events there are. Like, we went to that game that night, and then the entire just sports world and the world itself just began to shut down, like, the next day. It's honestly pretty crazy. But the fact that that was just three weeks ago – it's pretty nuts, but I think that's really about all we had for today. We'll have a podcast tomorrow. If there's something that you guys would like to have discussed, it can be uh, it's something as trivial as the uh, TV and movie characters we did last week, something along those lines, or if you have a question, uh, please reach out. And uh, any suggestions, topics welcomed, we are, uh, we are definitely open for suggestions because now that the NFL free agency is dying down, there's there's not a whole lot of news out there so we will uh, we'll continue to do our best to try to entertain you but uh we are definitely open to suggestions i think that's about all we had for today you got anything else man there's just not a whole lot it's, yeah uh, uh, <laughs> it's getting difficult around here yeah so we're uh we're powering through but we'll be back tomorrow i'll remind you one more time go to lb's university avenue across from kroger go see greg it's important to support local businesses during this time he can help you throw some delicious things on the grill to where you can quarantine in peace hopefully we have some good weather this week last weekend was uh incredible uh if you were outside and you didn't have a tv on and you were just kind of by yourself it'd probably be hard hard to uh Hard to notice that we're in a global pandemic. It was a good good couple of days last weekend in terms of the weather and being outside, but do so responsibly. Go see him, LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Borky and I will be on the radio this afternoon. We'll be back tomorrow with something interesting to talk about. I'll promise you that. We just don't know what yet. But for Brian Scott Rippey, we'll figure it out. for Michael Borky, I'm Brian Scott Rippey. We will figure it out and we will see you tomorrow. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.